Hi and welcome to the Blended Science Podcast. This is a space where we talk about science and its application in our day-to-day lives. I'm your host, Dr. Gazimula Blessing Konazi, and today I have the pleasure of chatting with Dr. Lebo, who is a consulting nutritionist with almost 20 years in the field of health and nutrition. She has a BSc degree in dietetics from Howard University, USA, a master's degree in international public health nutrition from the University of Westminster, UK, and PhD from the Universities of KwaZulu-Natal, South Africa. She has a passion for individual and group nutrition education, recipe development, personal chef services as well, and she has work experience in government, referral hospitals, and military and private clinics for more than 15 years. Doc, this is an, an amazing bio. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm so flattered. You know, when you write something in paper, it seems more sophisticated than it really is. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, Doc, for having me. And uh, I must confess that this is uh, the first time I've ever been invited by a professional like you, especially across the borders. So I am super excited. I am so honored, as I indicated, for this invitation. And hopefully uh, this will, you know, will enlighten our listeners out there on what I have to say. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for honoring the invitation. Now, Doc, let's go back a little bit. Tell us your story. How did you get into this career in dietetics and nutrition? Well, like any boring story, you know, (laughs) uh, it happened by accident. I I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I've always been interested in uh, food and nutrition or home economics at the time in secondary school. So when I finished my secondary school, I... I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then, you know, uh, somebody invited me to say, okay, maybe you should apply for a sponsorship for nutritional sciences. But I thought, okay, it's similar to home economics. So, okay. (laughs) But uh, as you know, with dietetics is a science. And the Mm. first year I must admit, when I arrived at Howard University, my grades, did not, uh, were not very good uh, because psychologically I didn't know what I was getting myself into. But the good thing about it is that I had good mentors, you know, uh, as a foreign student or as an international student, we got a lot of uh, good support uh, throughout our university years. And I managed to pick up my grades and got to understand what really dietetics is. Because at, at first I didn't think it was a it was a medical uh, course or a science based course as I indicated. So that's basically that with with my with how I landed into dietetics. And yes, I did struggle a little bit, uh, especially with the internship. You know, those who have done the course know that it's very rigorous and it mm. is quite um, mentally challenging. But like enough, I managed to graduate uh, in time. I didn't stay in the US for too long. I came back home to Botswana. Um, yeah, when I came back in, I think, 2001, 
uh, another challenge. It was during the peak, should I say, of HIV era, and I was literally thrown in the in the in the deep end, you know, and learned how to swim because it the hospitals were overwhelmed and there was not real really enough time for my supervisors to carry me through that uh, when I when I arrived at the hospital and started my first work, I mean, employment there, it was one of the referral hospitals in Khaburoni. Mm. But I think that experience helped me a lot because I had to learn immediately how to wo- walk on my own or to run or to jump, I don't know what you call it. Um, I didn't stay there too long. Um, after about a year or so, I got a contract uh, employment with the Botswana Defense Force, you know, and still I was doing clinical work uh, under uh, uh, the HIV clinic, which is called IDCC. Sorry, I forgot the, the, what it stands for, <laughs> but it was for infectious disease uh, clinic. And I really, really appreciate my time there because again, I was the first civilian dietitian there. There was nothing on the ground. I had to supervise literally myself, you know, start the department from the ground up. Imagine as a junior dietitian, I had to research, I had to check in with other dietitians uh, in Botswana for, for guidance. It wasn't easy, but I, I appreciated, again, that environment because it grounded me. It made me strong and not be intimidated by any challenge that I had to face. After about, you know, uh, I think eight years or so, they sponsored me to go and do my master's in the UK because um, the, the main reason for that was I had a more interest in public health nutrition uh, compared to clinical nutrition, mm-hmm. you know. So mm-hmm. that's how I landed uh, with public health nutrition. I think that's what I'm good at. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not too good with <laughs> with, <laughs> with uh, clinical dietetic. You know, we have to admit our strengths and our weaknesses. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I think on my part, that was the best decision that I've ever made um, because it also opened other avenues or other opportunities as far as my career is concerned. Um, I stayed at the Botswana Defense Force for the next three years after my, my master's and I decided to venture into academia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that again, it was a good accident in quotes because being in academia forces you to further your studies i mean already there's a lot of competition you know you can't just be comfortable where you are with your qualifications and the good thing about it is that again i had to restart the department dietetic department when I ventured into academia. So I'm always starting things, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, mm. I'm always starting departments. And uh, uh, through interactions and networking, I was, you know, I got more interested in furthering my studies and met wonderful people who uh, got me interested in doing my uh, PhD. 
And mm. uh, one of them is uh, Professor Veldman and Professor Suna Keza. I hope I'm pronouncing it properly. It's been so long. <laughs> and uh, they, they really, really were instrumental in me pursuing my doctor of philosophy in human nutrition. Mm. And yeah, lucky enough, you know, I managed to get my PhD in almost three years, you know, which I think was an achievement because PhD is not a joke <laughs> when you are working. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You yeah, can say this so, again when you're working, it's something else. Yeah. Yeah, it's something else. So lucky enough, I managed to graduate in 2019. And, um, you know, at the time, I was do th- doing so many things at the same time. And I still can't believe that I graduated in three years. Mm. You know, being a mother, being full-time employee. And I had already started my clinic already part-time, even though I was doing it part-time. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after graduation, I just decided, you know what, uh, maybe this academic environment is not for me for now. You know, because I think I just needed to take a break uh, because it's very mentally challenging uh, to to do PhD. I think it, it's more mental than anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, dogs. I mean, you know, you know very yeah. well. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's why I decided. Most people thought it was the wrong time, you know, because mm-hmm. it was during the peak of. Uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, in 2020, you mm-hmm. know, I, I decided, you know what, let me just try this uh, self-employment thing, you know, and, mm. you know, it was, it was like, um, I didn't know what I was doing, but it, it was the right time. Mm. And, mm. and now looking back, I mean, for me to be speaking to you now, you know, now I know I'm, I made the right decision because, mm. you know, it forced it, you know, being self-employed from last year up until now, it forces you or forces me every day to be thinking, how do I better myself? Sure. You know, all the mm. time. I, I don't have time to sleep. <laughs> no room for complacency. <laughs> No, no, because, you know, the public is very demanding, Mm -hmm. you know, they get, you know, you have to, they're not interested so much in your credentials, but rather, or your CV, no, they don't even ask for your CV, obviously, Mm. they are more interested in, are you relevant, what is it that you have to offer them that Mm. they need today, not tomorrow, no, (laughs) Wow. They always have daily demands, you know, today it's this and they change. So, you know, as I indicated, when I start, when I started running my clinic, those are the things that I had to learn, Mm. you know, Um, because even though my office is in a hospital setting, I do still see patients, but the majority of the, the clients that I do see I, your average person out there who's somewhere, you know, in their uh, social media, just browsing through Mm. and they just happen to learn through um, Dr. Lebo's social media page, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, no, your social media page is really doing well. 
I like the humor. <laughs> I like <laughs> I like how you're engaging with people. Such a an inspiring way of um communicating with people. And your story is very inspiring because I think right now there's such a a peak or an increase in an in employment and a lot of people are just venturing into private practice and starting things on their own. And this is such an inspiring story, Doc. Now, yes, yeah. Yeah. One of the things you often post about and talk about on social media is weight loss and and how you are helping your clients. Can you take us yes. through your approach when it comes to weight loss? Well, as you've rightfully indicated, my my social media page is I would call it crazy. Um <laughs> Yes, and it's deliberate because I didn't want to come across as somebody who's not approachable. Mm -hmm. As you know, most of health professionals are very authoritative, uh, even though I'm just generalizing, but they're very intimidating. And I wanted to have a, a persona that somebody at home can identify with. And it's, mm. and it's very difficult because when you are too formal, you know, you will not be approachable and people will not reach out for your services. Mm. And I don't, I didn't want to seem to come across as just being uh, out for business. I'm a public health uh, advocate. So my priority, even though, you know, we have to learn any living, but my priority is to I'm going to use the word romanticizing nutrition because it seems like it's boring. You know, when you tell people eat healthy, you know, you need to lose weight. Mm. You know, it's, it's like, okay, the same old boring story. Let me just switch off, you know, and they don't want to be bothered. So um, my, that's my approach to uh, my weight loss program. Um, how mm. do I do this? We know the science behind weight loss, you sure. know, but then to interpret it to a layman's uh, approach is the most difficult part Yeah, because yeah. you have to have a balance between evidence-based and what the potential consumer wants. So the most important approach is to get a buy-in. You know, that's, that's the, the difficult part. <laughs> Yeah. Getting a, a buy-in, uh, no, no, no. That's very difficult because uh, for somebody to leave their house and come to your clinic, that's the most difficult part. Sure. You know. Yeah. Honestly, Doc, honestly. Because, you know, there's a lot of influence in the media. Diet this, mm. you know, you can upload this and that. But what the consumer wants is how is Dr. Lebu different from what I can download from the internet? Yeah. So yeah. that's my approach, really. I mean, if I were to summarize it, because otherwise, someone, not everyone feels the need to see a dietitian. Believe it or not, we are not, <laughs> we are not that important. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, you know, whenever one loses weight, you know, um, the first thing that people ask you is, hey, have you started going back to the gym? 
you know? Yes. No one starts yes. and think, hey, have you been watching I, what you're eating? You know? Yes. Um, yes, dog. Quite interesting. Yeah. Yes. So that's what we are competing with. Yeah. Mm, mm. And, mm. And, and there's so much that, you know, I mean, the food that we eat contributes so much on our weight. Sure. It's, 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 it's amazing. And, um, I always find it interesting. You know, I have, I have a particular friend who is a runner, right? She yes. used to say to me, yo, Kazi, whenever I start running, I gain weight. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was interesting. Yes. I mean, looking back now, I'm thinking, oh, maybe his body was compensating, right? You know, cause maybe he would, wouldn't been exercising for a while and then all of a sudden he starts exercising and and then to compensate he starts eating more and then start get, gaining a lot more weight Hello? yes yes i think i think you know this 80 percent, 20 percent uh theory about weight loss or, or managing a healthy weight it's not a, a it's not a myth mm, it's mm. real but people want to do it backwards. They want to do exercise first, and then maybe they change their dietary habits, yeah. you know, as a last resort. Yeah. So if somebody, you know, because I do a lot of education, especially during consultation, yeah. and I find that now when I interact with people more, now they understand because they, I mean, the general public thinks that, you know, you can eat whatever you want. And then when you exercise, the weight will just fall off. So as I indicated, I have to simplify the science behind it to somebody, you know, in a very simple, you know, which is the most difficult yeah. because yeah. you don't want to see to come across as being too technical. You yes. know, I have no one to impress with being too scientific. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes I think we we too, we say too much jargon, you know. Mm. Um, so I have to, especially if I'm interacting with the local people, Botswana, you know, the average Botswana here, even though they can understand English, but I've decided that uh, my mode of communication is in the local or the native language. Yeah. So that some of, because some of the 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 points you really have to say it in real Botswana you know, mm. which you can interpret in, in, in English. So I think that's one of my strengths because I've made a deliver, deliberate effort to communicate in my local language, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so one of the things I saw um, on your social media is the fact that I think this, this month you are running a program where you are taking people's body composition um, parameters yes. and, um, and and help them in terms of their weight loss. I'm just interested yes. to check what sort of uh, body composition parameters are you looking at? Well, um, I don't think it's anything that special, should yeah. I say, but you know, an average person wants to see exactly outside the normal, Yeah, you know, Almost everyone has a normal and a normal scale. Should I call it a normal scale? Yeah. You know, so you don't have to come to a dietitian to to weigh yourself, for example. 
So what I'm saying is, okay, different from what you, you may be monitoring your weight, um, let's see how, what your body is, is composed of because sure. we are complex human beings. And the advantage of body composition assessment is that, which is quite interesting. I know everything has its own limitations, uh, weakness or strength, but you are working with estimates. You are saying this is an estimated uh, of, you know, according to your body weight, this of it is your body fat, your muscle mass and so forth, body water, so it, it categorizes body weight into different components. Mm. And the advantage of that is that when you are on your, on your road to losing weight, uh, it's quite interesting how those figures change according to your dietary habits. So, yeah. you know, as I counsel or I consult with a client, it's easy for them now to identify or to attach their dietary changes to their body changes, mm. not just on weight, but also on the muscle mass component, on the fat and so forth. That's why I, the first week, usually I discourage physical activity, you know, so that there is no interference uh, or the, the, the client saying, you know, the reason why I'm losing weight or the reason why my muscle mass is like this is because I'm doing uh, physical training. So it's purely diet first and you experiment with your body first. Mm. Mm. Yes. Oh, awesome. Awesome. I like that because, you know, a lot of people have been, well, been talking about the fact that BMI has, the body mass index has been yes. used quite a lot, you know, to make a lot of yeah. decisions, but it's always nice to, when you have your body mass index with your body composition um, parameters and, you know, so that you can actually see exactly what's happening um, in one's body. Yeah, and the I body like mass index is an important tool mm -hmm. with a health uh, practitioner. Yeah. Because you are not just looking at the body mass index, but also the risk. It's, it's more of a risk assessment tool. Yeah. It has everything. I mean, it, I mean, it has limitations, but it does not lie. What you see, <laughs> you know, it doesn't lie. You know, if I'm standing in front of you and I'm muscular, I'm not going to focus on the body mass index as a health yeah. professional. Yeah. So it just gives, it, it, it works best with physical assessment. Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. Awesome. Awesome. You know, as you highlighted earlier, there's quite a lot of information, you know, on social media and, and the like, and especially when it comes to supplements and um, the use yes. of herbal products, which are usually advertised, you know, for weight loss. What are your thoughts on these? Are they somewhat effective or safe? Well, like anything, if you do it blindly, yeah. without any direction, you are just doing it haphazardly, you know what? It's, 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 it's a guarantee that it's bound to be a disaster, a very worthless disaster. 
Mm. Because mm. you are spending all this money. It's like having a gadget that, you know, you haven't even read the manual. You don't know what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah. But as a dietitian, it does not mean that I cannot advise you to, do, to use those things effectively and safely. Because at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, people do use those things or those supplements. So my role is to uh, interpret what they are supposed to do to say, okay, you've decided to use this, but this is how you can use this uh, safely and effectively. And and I think that's one of my, uh, should I, strengths as 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 a dietitian because I embrace, I'm open-minded. I'm not a police officer. I mean, I'm not a, a food police. I'm, and and I, I refuse to be a food police. Uh, I'm not going to, to be negative about it when a client comes and they trust me enough to declare that they are using this. And instead I'm saying, uh-uh, no, 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 what are you doing? No. There's a way that you know you can you can be able to uh, help the client uh, effectively. So you know, going back to my weight loss program, um, you know, I've had very good results. That one, you know, I'm so amazed with myself. <laughs> I mean, I've always known I'm a dietitian, obviously. Yeah. But you know, with my years of experience and interacting with different people. I must say I am, you know, one of the the, the most, let me not be too controversial, but I'm just going to say I'm good at what I'm doing, at what I do. Yeah. Uh, Because, you know, psychology plays a a very funny role in this because it's all in the mindset. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I think I should go back and do a psychology degree because I use it more than anything. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. (laughs) Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of psychology, because at the same time, while one may be interested in losing weight, maybe for health reasons. Yes. It's also possible for one to get into the spectrum of being too obsessive about weight loss, you know, where it's it ends up being stressful that yo i'm not losing as much weight mm-hmm. as i mm-hmm. anticipate and then yes. when you start now and then it start becoming an an anxiety situation you don't want cortisol mm-hmm. circulating because it's just going to reverse the the very work that you are trying to do in terms of helping the client with losing weight so i thought that was quite an interesting um point that you mentioned yeah, and one of the things that I discourage with my clients is, you know what, uh, give me the burden of assessing or monitoring your weight. Don't try to do it at home mm. because what are you trying to do? You know, what are you trying to achieve yeah. by monitoring your weight every day at home? Yeah. You know, uh, because it just brings in negativity, you know, anxiety and all that. So at least when you come to a dietitian, they're able to uh, ease that anxiety. You know, uh, yes, you can you can do it. It's easy. You don't need a dietitian, but at least it takes off the burden and the anxiety, as I indicated. So mm-hmm. that's one of the most important role of a dietitian. 
you mm -hmm. know, uh, yes, you can do it on your own, but that support system, somebody mm -hmm. that you are accountable to, you know, puts you in line because when you are doing it on your own, uh, mm -hmm. chances are, are along the way you'll say, ah, hey, I'll start in January, like most people are doing now. And I think that's why my presence in the media this month has been quite aggressive because most people mm. wait for January to say, ah, as one of my resolutions, let me start the weight loss thing. But this is the best time to change because, you know, you don't want to go into the holidays miserable and, mm. you know, you know, you know how weight gain is like, it's, sure. you don't feel good. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've yet to meet somebody. I mean, I'm I'm talking about unintentional weight gain, not sure. intentional. Sure. Who uh gains weight and they say, Wow, you know, I didn't think I'll gain weight. <laughs> you yeah. know, and again, you feel just miserable, you feel bloated, you feel sluggish. So it's not about how you look, but how you feel, you yeah. know? So I'm encouraging people to say, okay, fine. Even if you are not really a big person, but try to lose an extra two so that you make an allowance for the holidays, you know, mm. uh, because it's a guarantee. I mean, I, I, I don't have to take any, any, you know, scientific study during the holidays, people gain you know, quite a significant amount of, uh, of weight. Yeah. So no weight loss program should start, should start in January. It should be November. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm campaigning for. And hopefully people out there, when they read my post, they get it. And they mm. are coming in, in large numbers yeah. because, uh, you know, in the, in the media, it has always been encouraging people to lose weight in January. Now, Dr. Lewis say, no, don't mm. wait for January because that's the best bad month financially, mm. mentally. Otherwise, this is the best time to try and achieve almost the weight. Mm. Mm -mm. Yes. Awesome. Awesome talk. Talking about popularity, fasting and time restricted eating has been gaining some momentum. I also saw, you know, on your website that you have an OptiFast program. What's your, yes. What are your thoughts around um, time-restricted eating and weight loss? You know, uh, I think one of the reasons why I decided to focus on uh, weight loss yeah. as a subspeciality in codes yeah. was when I, when, I, when I did the course, the short course in uh, the OptiFast short course. Yeah. And it's amazing how, you know, yes, I always knew as a dietitian what needed to be done. But I think we sometimes as dietitians, we are overly, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, too conservative. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wanted to shy away from the normal eating healthy for weight loss because it doesn't work. You get me? Mm -hmm. Somebody yes, who okay. wants to gain weight also has to eat healthy. Mm. So the messages are always conflicting because you are telling this person who is 150 kg to eat healthy. What are the chances that, are, uh, that they, are not, they will lose weight? Mm. You know, mm. and 
when I looked closely, it really opened my eyes when I went through the course because then I realized, you know what? For weight loss, you need to take drastic steps. (laughs) And clients have to understand that. You know, it's not business as usual. And what the program does is on calorie restriction. Sure. And it uses different stages of weight loss, the intensive phase, where it focuses mainly on meal replacement. But what I've actually done is just to interpret their approach, not that I'm duplicating it, but for those people who cannot afford the meal replacement and to interpret it into actual food. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's almost, you know, they will kill me for this, but I, I copied their approach and it has worked real well. Mm. I still recommend Optifast to uh, my clients who are not able to, like if somebody is not able to prepare their own meals, they're traveling, you know, and all that, and they still need to restrict their calories. So yeah. I still recommend it and prescribe it. If I, if I may say that, uh, but there, there's that portion of the population who would rather prepare their own meals. Yeah. 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 So my approach is on calorie restriction uh, rather than cutting this, cutting that. You know, mm. I don't believe in cutting this, cutting that. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I get it. I get it. Yes. So you're not a big fan of um, let's skip a meal. Uh, maybe let's skip breakfast or let's skip lunch um, and the like. Not, it depends. Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to, like if a client is trying to maintain a healthy weight, especially during the holidays, yeah. I may give it as an option yeah. to a client to say, okay, we are going into the holidays. Uh, instead of having, you know, eating corner to corner, you know, why don't you just limit uh, one meal? If you are going to have a cookout or a braille or whatever, you know, consider having one meal a day because mm. that meal is likely to cover for the three meals that you mm. could have been eating. So mm. there, there are circumstances when I recommend it, but mm. the client has to understand how they're going to do it and why they are doing it. Mm. not for weight loss no (laughs) i don't give an impression that by skipping meals is for weight loss it's for weight maintenance and so that you are more mindful not to be grazing throughout the day yes yes i like the way i like the word grazing throughout the day yeah i feel like i feel like we often eat even when we are not hungry you know you know and just because there's food around which is why during lockdown we gained so much weight you know because we're working from home i personally i was working from home yes and after doing a difficult task the first thing you're thinking of "Mm, what can i make what can i eat the the next thing you're finishing the day with six meals you know, which, which is more than that, more than that. I mean, the weight does not fall from the sky. Yeah. You know, I get a lot of people say, but uh, Dr. Lebo, I don't eat. You know what? Just because you don't sit down at a table with a knife and fork 
does not mean you did not eat. Sure. And most people gain weight outside the table. You know, if you sit down at a table and you are loving, or should I say loving your food, giving yeah. it love, it will give you love back because it is the moment, you know, it is, you are enjoying the texture of the food, the, the smell, everything. Mm -hmm. But if you are nibbling, let's say you open the fridge and then you take a piece of cheese, that is eating, you know. So mm -hmm. like you rightfully say, dog, you know, most people eat unnecessarily. Mm -hmm. And when you ask them, why are you eating? They'll say, ah, because I'm bored, you know. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's the first thing that one should do when they are when they are bored, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think what I what I what I have used my platform for is mindset set change. Yeah. You know, to say, uh-uh, you know, even the way your plate looks, you know, mm -hmm. why the seven colors? I know, you know, I'm I'm like, we are like South Africans. The seven colors is our, you know, mm. our sta staple food, you know, mm. uh, how the plate looks, you know, you should have uh, like salads, like five, six salads and whatnot. Mm. So, you know, what, what, what I do is to say, okay, take out the good from our culture of, or how we do things to say, this is how we, you can do it better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying don't eat paliji, don't eat pap. No, what I'm saying is pap on its own can be a meal. You know, I know I'm going to sound controversial by saying this, mm -hmm. but you can't have a balanced plate. You have to strive for a balanced diet. Mm -hmm. If you are having pap for lunch with morojo, which is greens, it's enough. Mm -hmm. Why add meat and this and that and you know, mm. potato salad and chakalak and whatnot. Mm. Uh, defer that for later meals. So that's just my approach of how we can try to win this war of uh, uh, obesity. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, this war of obesity is a scary war. Um, I think, I think as we are coming to a close, yes. it's scary that one these days one can just go to a phone and just order food and then it just comes you know yeah and it just comes <laughs> just like that <laughs> you can just yeah. decide you know what i'm not gonna cook today let me order like wow sure yeah, yeah. you know unfortunately you know uh with business yeah they also have a way of should i say making it convenient for you to get things as yeah. much as me uh as dr Lebu is yeah. using that convenience yeah. you know to make a balance you mm -hmm. know so we always have to be as a, as a as healthcare professionals or as scientists we have to be a step ahead we mm -hmm. can't say okay uh ban the use of uh, of of technology for ordering junk food yeah. you know, or using, you know, text, you know, as a deterrent. Yes, somewhat it may work, but if somebody wants to get that food delivered at their doorstep, they are going to do it. Yeah. So it is a, a war, yeah. you know, yeah. and on, you can't sleep and say, no, um, 
maybe I'll have a presentation every month and, and teach people how to eat healthy. No, <laughs> it's a fast paced world, you know, and yeah. you are going to be irre irrelevant as a practitioner. Why did you even go to school if you can't make an impact? Sure. You know, that's why it seems like I'm always online all the time. Yeah. Because I don't want people to forget uh, that I'm an advocate first, mm. you know, and uh, I always constantly, you know, even when I have clients in between my sessions, I have to post something to say, uh -uh, I'm here. Hello. You know, uh, mm. what are you having for lunch? And I'm getting amazing, amazing responses because mm you know, even referrals to other healthcare professionals. You know, someone can just send me a message and say, Dr. Lebo, mentally I'm not doing too well. Uh, do you know any psychologists? You know, mm -hmm. so what we are doing in social media, really, I, I thank COVID for that because otherwise I'll just be comfortable in my office, you know, seeming important, you know, but the, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I, I, I honestly, honestly thank uh, COVID for, for, for pushing most of us to get out of our office into somebody, into other people's homes and offices. Yeah. Wow, yeah. Doc. Thank you so much for such a, a great inspirational information. I mean, I've really enjoyed this talk. I mean, you are living out your passion. I, I think this is amazing. You're living out your Thank passion. you so much, Doc. Thank you so much for this mm. invitation. Yeah. As I indicated at first, I'm super honored. Yeah. And uh, if, if we can just change uh, one person out there on how they think about dietitians, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would be yeah. more than happy. Yeah. Uh, we are very welcoming. And yeah, and looking forward to a better public health. Yes. You know, so yeah, yes. we are very relevant and we are here to help the public. Yeah. Take me through some of your gratitudes um, as we end. Just three things that you are most grateful for. I'm thankful. I'm grateful for me. Mm -hmm. uh, I know it's strange and it seems like I'm being pompous, but I'm just super grateful that I'm the kind of person I am because I am, I am so, not that I'm too perfectionist, but I'm just driven, you know, yeah. and it, it doesn't always equate to money, but uh, I am so driven. And the second thing that I'm grateful for is every person that I meet, including yourself, you know, mm -hmm. I know that this meeting was not by accident. Mm -hmm. And I know that out of this meeting or mm -hmm. this, uh, uh, recording, there will be that opportunity. You know, mm. I, I, I've, mm. I've gone through this enough to know that this will bring in other opportunities. Mm. And, you know, especially in South Africa, you know, somebody mm. out there will say, wow, Dr. Lebu, you know, <laughs> and yeah. I, are you interested in this? So yeah. I'm grateful for every person that I meet uh, mm. that has opened opportunities for me. Mm. And the third thing that I'm grateful for, even though I don't mention my family, I mean, that one is a given, yeah. you know, but, you know, it's automatic that obviously I'm grateful for, for, for my family. Yeah. Um, 
I'm grateful for my clients. Mm. You know, I honestly, honestly, for every client that I meet, I know that they will refer two or three people, you know, mm. or even more, you mm. know, and they teach me something, even if it's not a good meeting. But after they leave, I'll say, my level, how would you have handled this differently? That client was not happy. And then I reflect, you know, and I'm not exaggerating when I say every client that I meet, you know, is very valuable. And it's not about their money. It's about what they contribute to my life. Mm, mm. Yes. Wow. Wow. Thank you so much, Doc. I'm not going to add anything after that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You are just a a warm person. I remember when I met you, you you're such Uh. a really warm person. And that's why I was so looking forward to um, having this chat with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Please do invite me again for other activities. You know, there's always time. There's always time. Absolutely. So when you have conferences and so forth, Doc, please invite me <laughs> any, you know, online. Nowadays, there's no excuse. Yeah. I ca- I'm already in where you are, you know, and I'm going back to Botswana. So, you know, it's yeah. no excuse. Yeah, no excuse. Uh, Absolutely. Yes. I'll do that. All right. Cheers. There you have it, folks. Dr. Lebo's approach when it comes to weight loss, an interesting conversation, insightful conversation. And we hope that someone is touched and they'll stop grazing the whole day, right? Because it's not working for your goals to lose weight. And remember, we're not just losing weight for the sake of aesthetics, but this is for health reasons. And always remember, none of the information that we share in this podcast should be taken as medical advice. This is for educational purposes, for personal medical advice please do see a health professional or just visit facebook go see dr lebo in boxer you can consult with her virtually as well if you're outside of what's on otherwise have a great day i'm out cheers